Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and I'm so excited to have you here with us on today's show. Thank you for making this your first listen each and every day when it comes to all things Duke Athletics. Locked on Blue Devils, five days a week throughout the week, giving you the 411 on everything in the Duke Athletics world. Be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get them. Leave us a five-star rating and review. I certainly do appreciate when you do that. On today's show, Wes Durham from the ACC Network is going to stop by. I really, really enjoyed catching up with Wes. He's somebody that I've known for a little over a year now and excited to get him on the program for the very first time to talk about the ACC landscape. He's been doing the play-by-play for Duke football over the past couple of weeks with the ACC Network. His show daily, Packer and Durham, he's caught up with Mike Krzyzewski a number of times. So Wes Durham is just no stranger to Duke, no stranger to ACC Athletics, so a great guy to have here on the program. Follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore and again, make sure any questions that you have, you send them to us on Twitter or an email, LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com, so I can answer those on the Mailbag Monday edition of this program that we do from time to time. Without further ado, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Wes Sturdum joins the show right here on Locked On Blue Devils. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-major players you might not have ever heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns and even interceptions thrown. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and you can come up and win 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Make sure you use promo code Locked On, and that promo code will receive a 100% Instant deposit match up to $100. Prize pick allows mixed sport entries as you can combine football, basketball, and any other sport. It's an awesome thing to check out. As also, make sure you use the award winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made up in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com. Use promo code Locked On or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. This episode of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on the long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I love McDonald's so much, I could proudly say I spent one year in high school working at McDonald's. Make sure you go by and check out your local McDonald's. Head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there, proudly sponsoring the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. Welcome back into the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, of course, and I'm so thrilled to be joined by Wes Durham from the ACC Network. 
here on today's program, someone who has been around this conference way too many times to count, and I figured he'd be a great guy to catch up with here this week. Wes, how are you? I'm great, JJ. It's fun to be with you. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk football. I want to talk basketball, a couple of different things with you, and I, I guess mm-hmm. we'll start on the football front because we're in the middle of that season. We got the chance to watch and listen to you this past Saturday uh, with Duke's contest versus Wake Forest. You've already seen him a couple of times this year. You're going to see him more times this yeah. season. What's going on with that program right now, Wes? You know, it's interesting. I, I think Roddy Jones and I were talking after the Wake Forest game, JJ, because we were coming back to Charlotte uh, to travel the next morning. And, you know, it's it's central. Gunnar Holmberg's done a really nice job. I, I don't think that anybody could have asked for after two subpar years at quarterback with and no disrespect to Quentin Harris and to Chase Bryce, it just didn't work out very well. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Gunnar Holmberg's developed very nicely with Coach Cutcliffe and, and certainly uh, with what Jeff Ferris and Raekwon Boyette are doing on the offensive side of the ball. Mateo Durant's been as good as advertised. Sean Tucker's having a solar system type season at Syracuse or else Mateo Durant would win another rushing title in the ACC. I, I, to me, J.J., it's pretty simple. I think there are two areas across the board that have affected Duke really probably the last three or four years and their penalties and turnovers. I think mean, those two things in particular have probably hurt Duke more than anything else. The turnovers were the real story last year. I think penalties and injuries two years ago were a really big story. Um, defensively, there's still some players. I, I think there are guys that the surprising part probably for a lot of Duke fans is that it's a veteran team that's struggling. Yeah. Um, Shaka Hayward is a, is a proven commodity. I think he's going to play at the next level. I think probably what surprises Duke fans more is that Blackwell and Leonard Johnson and Lummy Young and guys like that are, are kind of fighting it a little bit in the secondary. Um, look, I like uh, Dwayne Carter. I think Dwayne Carter's had a really good year. Uh, in fact, he's going to be one of our focal points on our broadcast this Saturday when they uh, host Pittsburgh. But on the whole – you know, I, again, I know it's been a, a bit of a downturn the last couple of years, and I know people are disappointed. But at the same time, I always tend to err on the side of patience at the college level, especially in the ACC. I think it, I think the needle moves in a lot of different ways, JJ. And so I know David is as prideful and as passionate about the job as he was when he got it. I've gotten to know he and his staff pretty well. I think they do a really good job. Uh, but at the same time, nobody's more disappointed than the, than they are with the results for sure. So this Duke football team, we were feeling really great after the first three non uh, first four non conference games to sure. start the year. You know, we had the conversation. You would take three and one. I, I think you would have thought that the win would be mm-hmm. versus Charlotte in the loss to Northwestern, but it was flipped. And so going into ACC play, felt pretty good about this Duke football team. Georgia Tech, a competitive back-and-forth game that ultimately they just ran out of gas at the end. But this offense really has lost a little bit of momentum over the past couple of weeks. What's been the yeah. biggest reason for that, do you think? Well, I think one thing is is that you, you haven't been able to find anybody in the pass game outside of Bobo who can separate to make plays vertically. Um, and let's don't also get it twisted with you run into the better offenses in the league. And I'm sorry to say that Saturday, you're going to hit another one, but you've run into the better offenses right here in this stretch. I mean, when you take North Carolina, you take Virginia, you take Wake Forest and you take Pittsburgh. Look, Carolina's had some issues here, but they've not been offensively for the most part. Now they have a possession two or three during the, uh, 
course of the uh, of the ball game where they'll have what I like to call the El Dosarito. But for the most part, Virginia's lights out on offense. Pittsburgh's lights out on offense. Wake Forest is lights out. Georgia Tech can come and go. And let's be honest, JJ, they hit a flyer at the end of the ball game, or else you're going to win there. Yeah. And so Georgia Tech, let's push that one aside. But I think you've hit the you've hit the front end of the league on the offensive side. Now, after you play Pittsburgh, you're going to go to Virginia Tech. That is more along the lines of where you guys are from a Duke perspective on really both sides of the ball. Um, I think that'll be a pretty interesting game. And then going down the stretch, I think it'll get really, really interesting. Miami, um, you know, when you see them at the end of the year, going to be curiously invested in this. Miami's starting to pick up momentum. That's a – you hate to say this, but the De'Ara King injury, I don't know how we're going to look at it in December, but the De'Ara King injury is giving Tyler Van Dyke a chance to play, and all of a sudden he's showing you something. But to me, I would say Bobo is the only guy right now – Daryl Harding, perhaps, Jalen Calhoun, perhaps, but Bobo's the down-in, down-out guy. You know who can make plays for you in the throw game. So what do I have to do other than put seven, eight in the box, find a way to keep Durant on the ground, force Holmberg to beat me, and right now his his options are pretty limited. Yeah, 0-4 in conference play. Still have four games left on the year, so a couple of wins can change really mm-hmm. everything, how, how you feel about the Stuke football team. But right now, in this moment, it's it's frustrating. It's it's there are so many sure emotions to feel, and obviously the conversation that is happening right now is David Cutcliffe turned sixty seven back in September. We know what's mm-hmm. going on with the basketball program and that sort of thing. I don't know if that's that big of a conversation from the ACC league wide perspective with yeah. the future of Duke football. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, I think JJ, what you have to assess and look, I mean, the landscape of the game is. And every coach knows it's a production business, right? I mean, there are no secrets in that. I think what you have to look at, though, from my perspective, as somebody who sees all 14 schools in football and 15 in basketball, is um, where are you? Where's the bigger game being played at your particular campus? And what are your options if, okay, So, in other words, at Duke, you've got a guy who's been there 14 years. He's done a really, really good job. I think it's one of the things I kind of keep a tab on is, okay, David Cutcliffe continues to produce guys that are going to the league, right? He continues to recruit within the framework of what the expectation is at Duke University. Do you – you've hit a bit of a drought here in the last three years in terms of postseason play or success in terms of the division. Um, And I think you have to look at the before and the current. And what could be the future? First of all, I think he's been in the game long enough to know when it's time to step aside from his perspective. Sure. Um, I don't think anybody has to have the conversation with him. I still see the fire and I still see the, you know, compatibility with today's game. Um, The second line on that is everybody sees kind of the game changing in the ACC. Um, You know, I, I joked with Mark on our show Monday is the ACC channeling its inner whack tendencies by all these scoring games and quarterback play and things like that. If that continues, that will serve Duke well because that's one of their strengths. Um, Staff changes are a constant in college football at the Power Five level. None of that stuff surprises me anymore. Major wholesale changes, that depends on your campus and your subscription, I guess, of, of what you believe to be the bigger issues. 
I don't think they're that far away. I would put them as one of four or five schools who I don't think are that far away. Some of that you're seeing within the season. We just talked about Miami. Two weeks ago, Roddy Jones and I were at Miami. We had Carolina and Miami and Chapel Hill. And when I walked away from that game, I wasn't sure Miami was going to be able to do anything, right, the rest of the year. The quarterback was hurt. The running back had gotten hurt in that game, you know, and and I wasn't sure about where Miami was going to be. And two weeks later, we're talking about Miami being a handful and one of those teams on the rise. The same thing can happen with Duke pretty quick. I saw it happen against Northwestern. I mean, there was this, you know, we got there to do the Northwestern game, JJ. There was this great trepidation about what Duke was. <laughs> you know, they had lost to Charlotte. They had beaten A&T. Okay, here comes Northwestern, this team that played essentially for the Big Ten title a year ago. What kind of team? They got Hunter Johnson, who was good at Clemson, and X, Y, and Z. And the next thing you know, Duke blows doors on them. And I think you have to realize this year in college football, in, in some ways, is like last year, except it's different. Last year, we were battling everything to play the game. This year, the games are so competitive because of the roster sizes and the transfer portal and all these other elements. I'm not sure anybody's got a, a grip on this. I mean, we got 60-some teams that have been ranked that have lost, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and more than half of them have been to unranked teams, seemingly. So let's keep an eye on this. But I, I think on the whole, I think Duke is fine. The facilities have been upgraded. They've done a marvelous job there. I'm excited about Nina King's administration as the athletics director following Dr. White. And like I say, I think, I think the scenario with David Cutcliffe is he understands the game better than anybody else involved. So you won't have to do a lot of, uh, a lot of teeth gnashing, in my opinion. All right, so we've got a couple, one more football before we uh, kind of get over to basketball and what's going on there. Okay. Pittsburgh's coming up on Saturday. What, what's, the, mm -hmm. what's the rundown on them? Uh, this will be the third time we've seen them, J.J., and I like this football team despite the loss to Miami last week. Uh, ironically, penalties really cost them last Saturday. Um, I think Kenny Pickett is as good a quarterback as the college game has. Um, in, in my opinion, he's one of three legitimate candidates, maybe four for ACC Player of the Year. I think Brennan Armstrong, Sam Hartman, and Sean Tucker have certainly worked their way on that list. Um in the bigger picture, I would tell you, I think the question is if Duke can get some early success on Pitt defensively. Uh, can you shake them up? Vertical plays from Holmberg, uh, Mateo Durant, big runs. Uh, surprisingly, with Narduzzi's pedigree, Pitt has been a little inconsistent on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's something you'll have to keep an eye on Saturday. To me, it almost comes down to, and we haven't had production meetings yet, but I'd be curious to know if they think how, how important a score early would be like one of those, you win the coin toss, take the ball, put seven on the board, and make Pitt chase you. The thing about Pittsburgh is this. They're going to score. You're going to be forced to score. You can't have any, you know, Duke at one point, I think last week was two out of four, three and outs in possessions. You can't do that. You cannot absolutely give them a free wheel. You can't turn it over and give them an extra shot. You can't stack three and outs together because Pittsburgh's that explosive on offense. Wes Durham from the ACC Network is here with us today on Lockdown Blue Devils. All right, so we've talked about uh, from the sports landscape broadcasting. We know about the crow's nest and what that's like to be up there in the middle of it in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Sure. I've never had the opportunity to ask someone this question, but from the broadcaster's mm. perspective, in Wallace Wade Stadium, what is that atmosphere like? What's the vantage point like compared to some other venues? What do you enjoy? About oh, I, I like going to Wallace Wade Stadium. I love the new press facility. The Blue Devil Tower has been fantastic. 
Um, I think the renovations at Wallace Wade Stadium and Brooks Field are second to none. Um, they've made it a very, very enjoyable playing surface. Um, it's to me, it's uh, it, it's easy. Um, we enjoy going to games because number one, uh, our hospitality there from Art Chase and Cat Castro on the football side are, are great, and uh, Art's a longtime friend, so I'm not sharing any secrets here. I wouldn't tell him personally. He's one of the best in the business, and they've done a great job in terms of welcoming our television coverage and even back in the day when I was doing Georgia Tech from a radio side. And now their facility matches it. Um, easy spot to do a game from, great vantage point. Um, you know, and I think it's one of the real hidden gems, believe it or not, in college football. The college football historians really want to be a part of it. I mean, they <laughs> want to see the place, you know, and ironically, they opened the stadium in October of 1929 against Pittsburgh. And we're going to talk about that on Saturday. I didn't realize some old, yeah, we're going to roll some old photos out and things like that. But I love the venue. I like going to the older stadiums, and it's it's always fun to visit. Uh, it's always fun to visit Wallace Wade. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back at better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your sports. Bet online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are certainly missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience. One that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-sugar, low-fat, and high in protein. All the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious with so many flavors. This month, Built Bar is coming out with a whole new limited-time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at built.com. We'll be tuned in for sure. Again, West Durham on the call for the ACC Network Saturday, Duke football taking on Pittsburgh. All right, so now we transition to basketball. We have finally reached a moment in time <laughs> where we're counting down hours to the season starting <laughs> yeah. versus, versus days and weeks and that sort of thing. And as you well know, the world knows this is it for Mike Krzyzewski. Sure. So uh, what, what's kind of your view on, on what's going on in the Duke basketball world right now? Um, I think they're going to have a very good team. Obviously, they're the highest-ranked ACC team in most of these polls, and Bancaro has, uh, has stolen uh, the attention of a lot of people in this country who didn't realize there was this player in the Pacific Northwest outside of the <laughs> recruitniks and the, and the junkies. Uh, my cousin lives in Seattle and emailed me about three years ago about this kid. So I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I've seen clips like everybody else has. So uh, I don't know, though. Here's the thing I have, J.J., and this is where I caution Duke fans. Um, and they've had this situation before. I think you got to be careful here in the comparative game, right? You can't 
you can't say, well, this is like Marvin Bagley, Jaleel Okafor, Danny Ferry, da 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 da. Go back, you know, years and years and years. Duke's one of those legacy programs that now you have to caution yourself not to have your expectations beyond, you know, the solar system, if you will. Um, I think Bancaro is a tremendous player, but I'll, I'll go on record. And I said this uh, a couple of weeks ago. We're in Charlotte. I think the play of people like Jeremy Roach and Joey Baker and Wendell Moore and Mark Williams will be as important as what Paulo Bancaro brings to the team. Um, and all those other guys are going to help too. But uh, those veteran pieces will be the reason Duke is successful at the end of the year. Certainly, this is not the Barrett, Zion, Williamson, Cam Reddish, that group. It can't be. It just doesn't work that way. But this group will be driven by those veteran guys that have been down this road before because they understand the gravity kind of where this is. That, that meteor that was Zion and all that a couple of years ago is just that. It was that one flash in the sky. This is going to be much more methodical in terms of the way those veteran guys lead this team, I believe. I really don't know what we're going to get into over the next few weeks, few months, and that sort of thing with it being the final year of Coach K. I want to know your thoughts on this. Like, obviously, this is a guy that, that's the greatest of all – most wins. I mean, you can go down and down sure. yeah. at his accolades and resume and that sort of thing. So it's a big deal that he's stepping away. He doesn't want to make it a big deal, but that's just going to happen. It's going to be a conversation. Mm -hmm. Here we are in the heart of football season, and there are going to be football junkies galore, and that's going to take a lot of talking space and that sort of thing. But what do you think the big wide coverage of Duke basketball will be like this year? I think it'll be, well, first of all, I can tell you, we had a, uh, a company call about college basketball earlier this week. And, you know, one of the marks that were in the, you know, hey, here's where we are, is that every Duke game is going to be on some platform of the ESPN networks, be it ACC Network, the app, ESPN, ESPN2, whatever the case may be, Duke's going to be on that network. And so that's a point of pride for ESPN. Um, I think it's going to be a lot longer season in that light for him because I think and, – and he was pretty candid, I thought, with us in Charlotte talking about, you know, here's the way this is going to work and he's excited about the team, but he doesn't want it to be about him. Well, I'm not sure – for all the respect I have for Coach K, and it's immense – I'm not sure he gets that decision. <laughs> um, I, I think he has to understand that part of this is going to be about him and the fact that he leaves an indelible legacy in college basketball history. Um, because, as I said, when somebody from ESPN interviewed me for a piece about him that they're putting together, I said, just think of the list now. It's not particularly long, okay, of people that have stayed 35 or more years and left a mark on the institution they coached. I mean, they were, he happened to be a head coach at the, at the U.S. Military Academy for a brief time before coming to Durham. But not that that's been forgotten, J.J., but he has left an indelible mark on college basketball history by his work at Duke. And that list is John Wooden, Dean Smith, and Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, it's it's pretty limited list now. I mean, multiple national championships, legacies at those schools, and they really didn't coach anywhere else. You know, everybody says, well, what about Bob Knight? Well, Bob Knight coached at Texas Tech. I mean, Bob Knight continued to coach. There, there are others, too. I mean, Roy Williams coached 16 at Carolina and 16 at you know, Kansas, right? I mean, they, they come back and forth here a little bit. So all this different, um, how do you put it, 
comparatives, really it's John Wooden, Dean Smith, and Mike Krzyzewski. And I think that's something to be celebrated. And quite frankly, the respect that he has shown, and I, I say this as somebody who saw it happen in my own family, the respect he shows that legacy and the respect he shows the Carolina Duke or the Duke Carolina, whichever way you prefer to pronounce it at your house, um, that is a, that's a big deal because he understands the legacy of those two schools in the relationship to college basketball. I think the ACC will be forever indebted to Coach K sure. for his legacy at Duke, just as they are to Coach Smith and some of these other guys that have, uh, have helped carry the mantle for the conference. But there's no doubt he should be celebrated. And um, I, I'm pretty selfish about it, and I've told him I hope he stays in the game somehow. I'd like for him to run college basketball, <laughs> but he's not interested in that, and I get it. But I, I still think he's got – very wise opinions and philosophies about how college basketball can be successful. But I'm glad on a personal front, I'm glad he's getting to go out on his own terms. I'm glad he's deciding when he wants to do it. And, uh, you know, in some ways uh, he's letting us be a part of it because he could have shut it down. I mean, he could have coached this year and shut it down, but I think he understood what Duke university needed and the transition that needed to take place and, and good for him and good for his family, for sure. And great for John Shire to have that seat for one year before he yeah, takes it over. No question. And look, John's a perfect tire. And I think it's, it's, it's ironic in many ways. We're watching the transition occur at Carolina from Roy Williams to Hubert Davis. And we're going to watch the transition behind it from Duke to, from uh, Mike Krzyzewski to John Shire occur at Duke. It's right to get former players involved. It's right to have former players as your head coach. It's right to have guys that sat on that bench be the head coach. Because in today's world, I do believe that they can do it better than somebody who comes in from the outside. There's upheaval in the program. You change dynamics, all these other things. Which means that for the last decade, all this ridiculous conversation about who would be the next guy was just that, ridiculous conversation. Yeah, so here we are getting ready for this upcoming season. And uh, as you said, it's awesome to hear so many games. All of the mm-hmm. games are going to be able to be watched on, on the ESPN family of networks. And Billis is going to do 800 of those, I would imagine, this upcoming season. And it's just so cool. Duke buys into this brotherhood, Wes, that you hear all the time. But, I mean, Billis being one of the very first guys to play for Coach K is watching his coach still coach 18, 19, 20 year olds. And I just, we're never going to see something like that again. I don't think. No, because the industry's changed JJ. I mean, it's now, um, you know, you don't have to coach as long as Mike Krzyzewski did. Um, But I would also say this too, and it goes back to the legacy. When you stay that long, there are mileposts along the way that I think ultimately influence the, the entire deal and the history that you ultimately write. And I think it's important that people remember the early years of Mike Krzyzewski. I think just like it was important they remember the early years of Dean Smith, the early years of Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech coaching football. I, I think there's a lot to be gleaned. We don't give those chances anymore. That, I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, football coaches get two and a half, three and a half years and somebody's made a decision. Basketball coaches are the same way. That's a hard road to hoe now. But I, I think we can still learn a lot from these guys that coached 40 years ago and what happened and the payoff to it. And I think along the way, they learn a lot and adapt along the way. And I think that's critical as well. 
you've got a show every day, Packer and Durham mm-hmm. on the ACC network. And you guys are going to have Coach K on throughout the season, which is awesome. Love watching yeah, him. Yeah, once or twice. I'm interact both. with him. Yeah. What, what is what is that going to be like for you? And obviously, as you said, you've already talked to him a couple of times yeah. since this big announcement has been out. He doesn't want it to be about the final year. I, I you know, I, He's going to be asked the same question over and over and over again. Right. How do you be different? How can you how can you learn something from uh, Coach K in this final year? You know, I don't. I think if you get caught up in talking about historical pieces with him, I think you're gonna you're gonna end up with just kind of an okay interview. I really do think that you can talk about the differences in these teams that he's had going down the stretch. I, I think that last year's miss fuels a lot of what this team's going to be about, and. Like, you know, um, I said a moment ago, I think Bancaro is a really talented player, one of many they're going to have. But I do believe that the success of this team is going to be driven by the veteran players who went through that last year, especially Jeremy Roach and Wendell Moore. Uh, Joey Baker, Mark Williams came on at the end, was a really talented guy, had a great ACC tournament, needless to say. But I think Joey Baker sees his, you know, does he see his full circle now with that journey of playing at Duke, realized, but to me, Roach and Moore are the guys. I mean, Moore became a very good defensive player last year. How how much more can he improve? Pardon the pun. Um, you know, Roach is to me. You know, when Stewart, uh, when DJ Stewart decided to go pro, that that put a dent a little bit in what they might have been. Now they recruited fine, which they always have. But to me, Roach and Moore. Williams and Baker are four really, really big pieces of what they're going to be. And here's the other sidebar, too. And I I talked to this. I did mention this a couple weeks ago when Coach K was with us. I think it's really cool for no other reason uh, other than it's happening that his grandson is on the team his final year at Duke. I I mean, knowing Debbie uh, Savarino a little bit uh, through the years, that's a special moment. That's a special moment for their family. And it probably won't be discussed very much, probably because they don't want to talk about it very much. But I think that's one of the really cool things about his final year is he's coaching his grandson. And he has been, but this is his grandson's last year too. So his last home game, I'm going to guess that Michael will start the game. I'm kind of foreshadowing here. But I think that's a really nice emotional tie to the whole deal for him. Can't wait to watch it all. I mean, this is going to be a crazy year and – uh, you mentioned kind of what the roster looks like. The other two uh, impressive freshmen, A.J. Griffin, Trevor mm-hmm. Keels, uh, hopefully they'll be a, a part of a big conversation. Oh, I'm sure they will. This yeah. year. And, uh, we've seen a lot of good things from the Winston-Salem State scrimmage, whatever you could take, exhibition, whatever you could take away from that and more. So, uh, Wes, this has been awesome. Before we get, let you get out of here, though, I want to talk a little bit more about you uh, and, mm. and kind of what's going on in, in your world. What's the origin of Packer and Durham? Like, how did this all come together <laughs> when the ACC Network launches? What made this show appealing to you, and how did it all come to be? Well, the dirty little secret is, is that Mark and I, in March of 2018, um, were asked by SiriusXM to co-host a morning show on ACC 371. And we knew of each other. We had never worked together. Um, and our relationship um, – I went to television in 2013 and Mark was already at Sirius XM and doing the afternoon show. And he asked me when I went to television, he said, Hey, how'd you like to come on once a week and just talk about the ACC? And he has regular guests on the show as people realize anybody listens to off campus knows that on 84. And 
I said, sure, that'd be fun. And we ended up having a lot of laughs and good times and so forth. And um, long story short, uh, when they cranked up 371, they asked him to host it. And Mark said, I'll host it if you get Wes to do the show with me. And so we started doing the show. And it was fun to do. We had a lot of laughs, goofed off. We actually did the show from Coach K's office. Uh, the Zion shoe game, we actually did the ACC morning show from Coach K's office that morning at Cameron, which was hilarious um, because I doubted Packer that day and he pulled it off, um, much like he pulled off driving the cart at the cross-country championships last <laughs> week. Um, but realistically, little did we know that the consultant, Dean Jordan from Wasserman Media, uh, was listening to the show. A lot of people with ESPN who were connected to developing the network were listening to the show. Um, I was interested in the network simply to do games. Right. I wanted to be part of the ACC network and broadcast football and basketball and baseball if they asked. But um, the show kind of took a life of its own. And so I was living and still have my house in Cartersville, Georgia. My wife lives there. And um, essentially when they launched the network, JJ, they asked, uh, they said, we're going to build a studio in Mark's basement. And would you be up for that? And I said, sure, I'll help you get started. And so, uh, I came up to Charlotte where I am today and rented an apartment and, uh, you know, I do 15 live hours of television every week with Mark Packer and two dogs in a basement. And, um, and we have a good time and we talk about the league, but realistically, I think we both grew up around it. Uh, we understand kind of the historical fits through different decades from about the 60s all the way to the you know, current landscape. And I think that's important and helps us a little bit. It also is a hopefully, hopefully knock on wood. It's a good thing for people to get their morning started because they understand kind of where the league is and kind of what's going on. And we have good guests. And, and really the treat for us is to visit with student athletes. I mean, we've had a very enjoyable relationship with a lot of student athletes and uh, from Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh has been with us seven different times, almost eight, I think, um, you know, we've had uh, Aaron Matson from North Carolina's field hockey team, two or three different times. Hannah Steelman, who's an ACC champion in cross country at NC state's been with us three or four times. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of different guests and that's really been the fun for us is to showcase student athletes in the league and, Gina Kim, who played golf at Duke on the women's side, has been a blast. We've had her a couple times, and, you know, we always end up with really good conversation with coaches, and, and we hope to continue it, and it's been fun so far, and we're almost to 500 shows. And when we get to 500 shows, he says we have to wear a coat and tie, so I'm a little nervous about that again. But, <laughs> um, but no, on the whole, it's, uh, it's been really enjoyable, and it's been fun to do. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, it's it's got to be sort of this outlet for you doing play-by-play as much as you do at the college level, the NFL level as well, to kind of get the opportunity to just sit down and and not worry about what's happening in front of you in terms of a play and what the call is going to be here and just yeah. have conversations. We are really fortunate um, because the network being run out of Bristol, we have outstanding people working with us. Uh, Andrew Brooks and Josh Macri are our producers, and they do a phenomenal job of uh, building shows for us, crafting ideas, um, you know, putting stuff together. We, we always have a, a pre-product, a pre-show meeting and a post-show meeting every day for five to 10 minutes that kind of help us build, you know, the next day or later in the week or something develops type deal. And they are, they are to me, the real backbone of any success that we have. Mark and I just get away with talking about stuff. We're old enough to know, I guess, more than anything else. 
from Mark's basement to Coach K's office. I mean, there's no telling where the show would be broadcast. From. Well, yeah, and it's and don't give him any ideas. That would be the better <laughs> thing. It would be better if people don't, you know, tweet Packer like his latest uh, idea. Uh, he hatched on Monday is that we do the show uh, the Friday of the ACC rowing championships from Clemson on Lake Hartwell aboard a pontoon boat. So there you well, go. <laughs> what a sight yeah. that would be. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, he drove the cart. He drove the cart yeah. at the cross country. So, I mean, see, one leads to the other. Once he has success, see, that's the thing people at ESPN and the ACC don't understand. Once you let him in the door, he's not leaving. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm just uh, I'm just kind of there to keep keep peace if I can when things get sideways. That's incredible. All right, let's get out of here with this. We talked about the Wallace Wade perspective. I briefly mentioned uh, mm-hmm. Cameron Indoor and what that's like being in that venue when it's at its absolute craziest. And right. it's such a blessing that we're going to get the Cameron crazies back and uh, creating the home court advantage that Cameron Indoor is known to have. What is that right. like to be there trying to do your job, Wes, knowing well, that it is absolute pandemonium in those moments? The number one thing I'll tell you, JJ, is it's better than being on the floor. Because <laughs> I've done both. I sat on the floor on press row a couple of years ago, really for the first time. Uh, Eric Wood, who was working with Roddy and I, neither guy had ever been to camera. Uh-huh. And so Mike DeGeorge, who's a longtime friend at Duke, uh, worked it out where we went and watched Duke play the first half against Georgia State. And then Eric said, hey, can we drive to Chapel Hill and watch Carolina play Gardner-Webb, I think, that same night. So we watched the first half at Duke and then drove to Chapel Hill for the first half of that ball game. And it was kind of fun. And the backstory is we sat on the floor that night and somebody who saw us there said, wait a second, what do y'all, Wes, have you ever sat on the floor here? And I said, no, and I'm glad I never will again. <laughs> and they said, what do you mean? I said, I'd rather sit upstairs than sit on the floor. And it's true. The Crow's Nest is a great vantage point. Bob Harris, who, who went to high school, my dad, as many people know, Bob always said it's better than being on the floor. My dad echoed it. Just about any guy you ever interviewed, JJ, is going to tell you, it's better than being on the floor. And it's not close. I mean you got more room now than you did in the old crow's nest when they renovated the thing. It, it's fine. I like the old one where you had the chains and the cage and all that, but um, it's worked out good. And it's a great venue. It's a great vantage point. You can see the whole floor. Um, and it's really one of the venues. You don't get that same look much anymore. Um, at Wake Forest, we're off the floor, but we're back. So it's not the same thing as being over the top and looking down, but, I enjoy any visit to Cameron, but it has really been special when it's full and rolling. And, and I've been there when it's been practically empty. Uh, first time I ever went to do a game there with Georgia Tech in January of 1996, students were still on uh, winter break and a snowstorm hit. Oh, man. And they literally opened the doors. If you can get here, come on. And I don't think there were 300 people in the building that day. <laughs> um, and Duke with Jeff Cape. Jeff Cape and I were talking about this game, ironically, not that long ago, um, Duke played. Uh, Chris Collins was on that team. Will Jahowski was on that team. Duke played Stephon Marbury, Matt Harpering, uh, Michael Maddox, and Georgia Tech. Crimmins, uh, my first year doing Georgia Tech, January of 96, we played in a snowstorm. Billy Packer, Mark's dad, broadcast the game. And I'm telling you, there weren't 300 people in the building because of the weather. But it was – even then, it was cool. I mean, and it was empty. So – 
um, you know, bless the folks heart. I'm glad we're getting the environment back. That'll be, that'll be a lot of fun to watch that unfold this year. Can't wait. Wes, you're so kind with your time. I really do appreciate it. This has been a whole lot of fun. Take care, JJ. That's Wes Durham. He's joining us here on Locked On Blue Devils. Thanks again to Wes Durham for joining us today on Locked On Blue Devils. Really enjoyed catching up with him on our program and talking all things Duke. I loved what he had to say about the future of the Duke football program, what that looks like under David Cutcliffe's leadership, or whoever were to step in and replace Coach Cutcliffe. Also really enjoyed chatting with Wes and talking about Mike Krzyzewski and the stories that he's had from over the years of broadcasting Duke basketball, his interactions with Coach K, and what to expect from this last year with our head coach. Again, follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow and subscribe Locked on Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.